0: Welcome to West Town Church. My name is Dwight and I am one of the pastors here. And in recent weeks we have been going through the uh, book of First Thessalonians and we've been talking about the mission of the church. And we have summarized the mission of the church uh, very briefly and very simply as just loving people as Jesus loves people. That's what we are called to do. And So we've been uh, beginning to unpack what that looks like. And Beginning this week and through the rest of the month, we're going to be looking at particular roles that Jesus fulfilled as He loved people. Uh, Jesus was a seeker. He was a servant. He was a shepherd. He was a sower. And he was a steward. So we're going to be looking at all of those different components of what it means to love people the way that Jesus loved people. And one of the dangers is, is I stand up here and I I, I preach on these things is that it can give the impression that I am speaking as somebody who has got his act together and is doing all of these things really well. And that is not the case. I am a learner. um, And I am one of those kind of learners that learns more frequently by mistakes, uh, unfortunately. And so uh, please don't take this as Uh, He's the preacher, he's the expert, because I'm just a fellow learner and trying to love people the way in which Jesus has called us to love. And so fortunately, he's not left us to our own devices or imagination, but he's informed us through his word and through his example of what it means to love people the way that he did. Have you ever lost something that was very important to you? I'm not talking about losing a person, Uh, But losing something that was either very valuable or very sentimental to you. Uh, Years ago, um, Connie was out shopping and I got a phone call and she was frantic. She was in tears. And she said, Dwight, I was in the store and I brushed my hand up against uh, a container and the diamond flew out of my engagement ring and I can't find it anywhere. Will you come help me? So off to Walmart I go. And it's on a Saturday, and you can imagine how busy it is. And we're crawling around on the floor looking for this diamond, looking underneath the the shelves, and we searched, and we searched. And finally, I said to Connie, honey, I'll buy you another diamond. And she said, I don't want another diamond. That's the one that you gave me when you proposed to me. I want that diamond. So we searched, and we searched, And we searched some more, and we never found the diamond. But I can tell you, every time we went to the store after that, we were in that area, we looked for it. Now, imagine how much more important people are than even diamonds. How important people are to God. And that is the reason, as Craig read from Luke chapter 19, that it says, Jesus said, The Son of Man came to seek... And save the lost. And as one who calls us to follow him, uh, we're going to read this morning in various scriptures of what it means to love people by seeking them. I'm not going to be in one particular part of the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be branching out all over the, the little book here. But the first thing that we see about what it means to love people by seeking them is that we partner with God and seeking others. In chapter 3, verse 2, Paul talks about how um, Timothy went to, back to Thessalonica to check on the young church to see how they were doing. Uh, Paul and the other companions got ran, ran out of town, and so he was eager to find out how they were doing, and this is how he describes Timothy's ministry. We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. I think that's a great description. I, I love, I get excited when I read that not only has God saved us from our sin, He's redeemed us um, from uh, the guilt and the punishment of our sin through the work of Jesus Christ, but He calls us into partnership with Himself to look for, to seek the valuable people that he desires to bring to himself. Seeking others is God's work. But he's called us into partnership with him. And what that should do for us is that it should encourage us in the task when it grows difficult and we don't see the results that we want to see when we feel that we are too weak for the challenge that the Lord puts before us to love others this way. We remember that he has empowered us by his spirit, and he who calls us to the task will be faithful. Now, it's supremely important that this is God's work, because Jesus seeks the lost, because if left to ourselves, nobody will seek after the Lord. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 3, quoting the book of Psalms, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks, for God. And so, what does it look like then when we partner with God in this wonderful um, calling to love others by seeking them? Well, we see that we should l- seek others in love. In chapter 1, verse 5, Paul writes, "...our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction." You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Now, we need to remember a little bit of Paul's history here. I mean, just before coming to Thessalonica, he was in Philippi, um, and they ran him out of that city uh, because people were uh, coming to Christ, and they were disrupting the order of things. Then they came to Thessalonica, and God gave them great success for three weeks, and the rousers, uh, ran them out of Thessalonica. And so then they went on to Berea and people followed them from Thessalonica to Berea to run them out of Berea. (laughs) Paul describes in 2 Corinthians how often he was lashed and shipwrecked and imprisoned and all of these things that he endured. And we're left wondering why. It's because Paul loved people. And Paul sought to bring people to Jesus. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus is talking about a man who lost a sheep. And he says in uh, Luke 15 verse 4, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he comes back with that found sheep, He says to his friends, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. It's very important for us to notice that when Jesus left the external glory of heaven and he took upon himself our nature in order to redeem us from our sin, that Jesus did not go to Jerusalem, find himself a storefront building and hang out a sign out front that said, Religion at 11 and expect people to come to him. No, using the words in Luke chapter 15 of the shepherd going after the sheep, he went after those he loved. But what happens so often in churches, at least in the West? We hang out a sign out front, we say religion at 11, or we've got any of these other programs, which are good programs. I'm not beating down programs. And we expect people to come to us. But if we are going to love people the way that Jesus loved people, then we are going to seek them in love. And it's important that uh, we not only seek them out of love, but we seek them in love. In other words, we treat them with love, and respect. When I was in seminary, um, Connie and I were uh, members of a church and we were taking this evangelism training class. And it was very popular in the era. And one of the things that it uh, urged you to do was through the week that as you were taking this training that you would share your faith with other people. So I called up a friend of mine. Um, we got together and we're sitting down and I start talking to him, sharing my faith. And I'm, I'm going through the presentation and he stops me and he says, Are you doing this for your class? And I realized that I was treating him like a project and not like a person. One of my many failures in in trying to share my faith, but it taught me that we seek the good, we seek people and we seek to bring the good news to them, not for any other reason other than for the glory of God and the love of that person. Which leads us to our next point, is that since this is God's work, we should seek others in order to please God. In First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul writes, Just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. You know, back in the day, um, a couple hundred years ago, When people talked about evangelism and and seeking other people, the way they expressed it was like this, to seek the glory of God and the salvation of sinners. It was for the glory of God and seeking to spread his fame that motivated them to seek other people and love. So we seek in partnership with God, whose work this is, but we also see that we seek others as a seeker of Christ ourselves. Throughout the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul emphasizes how important his holy conduct and his example was to the church, how he was an imitator of Christ and how this young church themselves became imitators of Christ. And it was out of that transformation of their lives and their character, that their message went forth with such power among the people. Paul um, stresses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, why it was that he sought people. He says, Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Because he reverenced God, because he was in awe of God, because he wanted others to know that glory... He sought to persuade people. But how do we do that? How do we make sure that we're seekers of Christ if we're trying to seek other people? Well, fortunately, 1 Thessalonians lets us know, and um, we see that we seek others from a Christ-like life. As I mentioned, many of the passages speak of Paul's conduct and holiness. and In chapter 4, verse 12, He instructs the new believers how to live so that you may walk properly before outsiders. Before I went to seminary, I was um, employed in the retirement nursing home industry. I was corporate director of human resources. And uh, part of my job entailed two things, among many others. Uh, One was I fired people, and the other was I negotiated union contracts. And so, when I was relating with the union stewards uh, from the local union or the business reps from the office, it was always an adversarial relationship uh, because either somebody was being fired or we were trying to negotiate a a labor agreement. And so, the business representative from from the union calls me my last week of work when we find out um, that. uh, I'm going off to seminary. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I need to back up. So during one of the, the labor agreements that, that we're negotiating, um, the attorney uh, for the union points out a huge mistake that I made. And so we're sitting there and, and, and they're yelling at me, saying unkind things to me, questioning my heritage and all other kinds of stuff. And I, I said, wait a minute. I said, you're right. Uh, This is my mistake. I screwed this up. I will fix it. And then we moved on. So my last week of work, um, the business rep, uh, Mr. Crawford, calls me and he says, done. He he never called me by my first name. He said, done. I hear you're leaving. And I said, yes, Mr. Crawford, that's right. I'm leaving. I'm going to seminary. I'm going to be a pastor. And he said, you know, I've been doing this job for a long time. And I've never known such a hard-nosed person as you, but never have I known somebody so fair. And he said, in 30 years of doing this work, I've never had an employer admit that they did something wrong, but you did, and you fixed it. You see, when we talk about our lives being in conformity with Christ, we're not talking about being perfect. It's about being authentic so that when we mess up, when we screw up, when we fail, we, we admit it humbly and we seek to make it right. That's what spoke to that man. Not the fact that I was going to seminary, but the fact that I owned my mistake was something that was exceptionally important to him. Authenticity confirms the genuineness of our testimony, but hypocrisy destroys it. A man who was very instrumental in my growth in Christ and my entering the pastorate. He was my, my mentor whom I loved and I looked up to, fell terribly. And I ended up being the guy that had to inform the presbytery uh, of his sin. And hundreds and hundreds of people's lives were deeply impacted because of his, his hypocrisy when he would not own his own sin. The gospel doesn't call us to be perfect. And the quest of being like Christ, it means that we're humble and that when we sin, we confess that sin and follow Christ. But also, in addition to seeking others from a Christ-like life, we seek others with a Christ-like focus. And that passage of scripture that um, Craig read earlier, Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. When Paul made all of these journeys to all of these different cities, he did so for the purpose of seeking others. It is so easy as believers, we know that there are certain things that we should do. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And so we begin our day in earnestness. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to take up our cross. And somewhere around lunchtime, we think, what did I do with that cross? I I don't have it anymore. I picked it up and the day got so busy and I don't have it. And the same is true with seeking others and to love people by seeking them. If we do not have this as a focus, if we are not intentioned for it, it is something so easily that will fall by the wayside. We need the help of God to keep that focus. And we see that seeking others also involves that we do so from a Christ-like community. Paul's immediate companions were with him in his ministry. He was not alone. He was sent by other churches to go to various places. He needed the support and the accountability of a Christ-like community of faith, and so do we. We need each other in fellowship and accountability and equipping so that we remain faithful in this task to which he's called us. So we partner with the Lord in this great work of seeking others in love. We seek others as as seekers ourselves, and we seek others purposefully. And how do we do that? Well, we do that first of all by praying for them. Throughout this letter, time and again, Paul mentions how he is praying for the church in Thessalonica, how he is praising God because through their witness and testimony of, of their faith and their love and their hope, it is being spread all throughout Macedonia and Achaia. And back in um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul encourages, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. So we not only pray for our family and our, and our loved ones and our, and our church family, but even the people that we are seeking to love and to help them along in their journey towards Christ and his church, we pray for them. And if you were here last week, you might remember the, the diagram on, the, on the, the screen with the uh, you in the center of it and the arrows going out all over where you go in your normal patterns of everyday life. Identifying three people out of all those interactions and committing to pray for them. It is by praying for people regularly, that we will be loving them, and as we interact with them, we will remember our focus to love them and help them to seek after Jesus. But we also see that, in addition to praying for people, that we seek others by greeting and engaging them. Again, when Paul went to various cities, he didn't open up shops somewhere, tack up a sign, said religion at 11, and expect people to come to him. No, Paul went out. He went to the synagogues, as was his custom, and he would reason with the Jewish people there. And if he had no success there, then he would go out to the Gentiles, and he would greet them, and he would engage them. And so should we. Now, I know that I've probably just lost all the introverts in the building at this point. And you might be saying to yourself, "Uh, No, I, I just really can't. I can't do that. I'm, I'm not one of these people. People, and I really adopt as my theme verse. If you're talking about the book of First Thessalonians, how about First Thessalonians chapter four, eleven, where Paul encourages people to live quiet lives and to mind their own affairs? That's me. You, you might be saying, God does not expect anybody to change their personality. If you're an introverted person, God's not expecting you to become an extroverted person in order to seek others in love. But while God doesn't change our, uh, expect us to change our personalities, He does sanctify them. And He enables us, whether we're extroverted and talk, 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 talk and never listen, or whether we're introverted that God expects us to grow within our personalities, within our gifts, that we might be able to love people by seeking them. And in fact, there are many ways that introverts are better at this than extroverts, because introverts tend to be very good listeners that enable them to build relationships and rapport with other people. So no matter where we are, we can all grow in this aspect of seeking others in love. And the other practical thing that we can do in seeking others in a purposeful way is by helping and serving them. In chapter 5, verse 15, Paul says, Always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Not just within the church, but even outside the church, seek to do good. When we were living outside of Philadelphia, Connie and I were trying to become more purposeful in in meeting people, because as Christians, and particularly um, pastor, um, it becomes very quick that all of your friends and all the people you interact with are other Christians. And so we were looking for ways to uh, meet people that didn't already know Jesus. And so Connie, when she would go to the grocery store, she would check out with the same uh, uh, cashier so that she would begin to uh, build some rapport. As I would go to the post office, I stopped adding letters into the mailbox outside and I would walk in and I would talk to the clerks and and try to build some kind of rapport with them so that I could greet them and and, and exchange um, conversation with them. And so this one lady uh, who, who worked there, her name was Carol, I found out that she and I were from the same town outside of Pittsburgh. And in talking to her a little bit more, I found out that we graduated from the same high school. She was a couple years behind my older brother, and her younger brother and I were in the same graduating class. And so that opened up doors for all kinds of conversation. And over a period of time, uh, Carol was missing work. And so when she finally got back to work, I said, hey, what's up? I've missed you. And she told me about her husband and his declining health and how she was going to have to quit work. And she didn't know how she was going to manage moving um, To another place to live. And so I said, hey, you know what? Uh, We have a realtor in our church. Would you mind if I hooked you up with the realtor and see if she could help you out? And she said, oh, I'd love that. So the realtor helped her out, found her a place to live, went back another day and said, hey, Carol, how things are going. She said, love the new place. I just don't know how I'm going to move all our stuff there. My husband can't help me and we're alone. And I said, you know what? There's a guy in the church whose son-in-law owns a moving company. Would you mind if I hooked you up? She said, I'd love that. So I got them connected. And so there were all of these good things happening. But I was feeling convicted that this woman was going to leave, and I had not yet shared my faith with her. And so I prayed and prayed, and I asked the Lord, Would you give me just two minutes alone in the post office without any other customers that I can pray with her or I can share with her? And lo and behold, God provided that opportunity, and I had a chance to share my faith. Now, I wish I could tell you that Carol accepted Jesus that day. She did not. I have no idea whether or not she ever did accept Jesus. But you know what? It's God's work. And Paul uh, describes in Corinthians about how some people plant seed and other people come along and water that seed. But it's God who gives the increase and brings forth a harvest. But we need to be faithful and seeking to love people by seeking them in love. So if you would like for a way to pray for Westtown this week, I strongly encourage you to ask the Lord to make us as a body of believers and as individuals be ones who purposefully seek to bring others to Jesus and move them closer to Christ and his church. Let us pray together.